Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. It's a Saturday, about January 16th or so. You can hear a stream in the background. I'm out on a hike, Fair Hill, North Lot. I'm a couple of miles down the hill, I guess. Maybe not that far, maybe that's a couple of miles via old man speed. Uh, I've been listening to a podcast from a guy named... Um, I can't think of his name, but he's a conservative talk host. Jonathan something, Rampart or Ram... And... Most of what he was saying, I actually, uh, I was dead on in agreement. I listened to about a half hour of it. And some of what I'm saying here, and I'll put a footnote in the the text part of this, giving a reference to him and giving him credit for the ideas. But most of it I agree with, and I'm going to kind of apply it to issues I think about. His concept was that we need debate inside of both parties and disagreements so that we get each other out of our tribal bubble tribal bubbles now that's a little different viewpoint than you hear you normally hear people talking about we need to learn to listen to the people on the other side. If you're liberal, listen to conservatives, blah, blah, blah. But he said what's happened, uh, and it's happened on both sides with just a little bit different symptoms, on the conservative side, if you like Trump, then you're a conservative. you dislike Trump, you're not a conservative. If you support Trump for anything for at all cost you're a good conservative huh that seems pretty straightforward but then he points out on the liberal side how you have a certain elite in the Democratic Party they come up with an idea and there's very little debate except maybe uh, during the primaries with you know some radical people like Bernie or AOC some people that are kind of on the fringe and if they bring something up then by definition they're not good Democrats so I'll give you an example of this when it became a popular opinion that we should 
defund the police. Not many people spoke up against that. First, you have the idea that it's terrible messaging. It's just stupid messaging. No one wants to get rid of all the policemen, which that's what that says when you say defund them. If you said reduce police budgets, that would at least be closer to what people wanted to do. If you said you want to change the function of the police department or add additional capabilities to the police department, that would have been much more close to what people wanted to do. Uh, but because we have this sacred democratic opinion, which is what I'm going to call it, sacred democratic opinions, S-D-O, it's kind of like a standard operating procedure, standard democratic opinion, and it becomes like sacrilegious to say that that's a stupid idea or I don't agree with that becomes like a litmus test if you're a Democrat. It's very similar to you like Trump. You're a good, you're a conservative. You don't like him, you're not. If you're a good conservative, you'll stand by him no matter what. And we have that in the Democratic Party on almost everything. And it's fueled by places like MSNBC. Just like Trump is, is fueled by Fox. Now, when they're having the big debate on whether there should be a $2,000 or a $600 payment to uh, the unemployed and the people that are getting hurt by COVID. If you listen to MSNBC, you would hear them interview conservatives who said that maybe we needed less and it needed to be targeted at the people that need it most. Like somebody making $75,000 a year probably doesn't need a $2,000 check. Somebody that's on the bottom 20% trying to have put food in their belly, that makes good sense. They should get 2000 bucks. But who came on MSNBC, and you can see if you can run the tape and find any, were conservatives arguing for their $600 position. But did you have other liberals step up to the plate and say, you know, maybe what the, Dem the Republicans are saying makes some sense, that we should target this help at people who really need it and not unnecessarily run up 
a big debt for this country. Hmm. Think about that. It's not a crazy idea just because the Republicans came up with it. I think it's a damn good idea. Now, Biden's going to get in there and he's saying he wants 2.3 billion trillion, trillion. Sorry if I get a little weak with my math above the billions. And I'm pretty damn good at math. For the pandemic. I suspect a whole lot of stuff that he wants to spend money on is, is valid. And yes, conservatives are going to speak up since they no longer have enough votes to matter. They're probably going to be a little careless with their criticism. And not serious because we're not taking them serious. But is there going to be any Democrats that step up to the plate and take serious disagreement with the package and say more money should go to XYZ and less money should go to YYY. Not to mention the load that bill up with every pet project they've ever wanted to do. And now they're getting pretty low on the list because it's the third package and they've been loading up on things they wanted to do that had nothing to do with COVID for two big bills. And they've had no internal disagreement with their own side. I'm going up a steep hill. It's killing me here. So, is this the way we think our system should work? Do we recognize that the way MSNBC operates they take two positions, like it's a big discussion, but they take someone that we consider a bad guy, i.e. Republican, and put them on the side of the argument that doesn't agree with the standard democratic opinion, or the sacred democratic opinion. So they, they've already framed it in a way that the public is going to be biased for the Democrat and against the Republic, Republican. Doesn't matter what the hell the issue is. Because they're going to pick the bad guy to represent the position that's not official. Now, there's some exceptions to this. It's not all like that. Bernie comes along, and he's the exception. Mostly, only when it has to do with uh, Medicare for all. But he does show up from time to time. 
and disagree. AOC disagrees a little bit on some issues, like the Green Deal. But for the most part, the only disagreement debates they have with the sacred democratic opinion is with the conservative or some nutcase or a nutcase that is a conservative. So, let's take a look at another issue just while I'm driving this point home. The Green New Deal, the AOC's plan, well, that's not Biden's plan, but it's along the same direction. I'm inclined to believe that um, climate change is real and that humans uh, are at least in part responsible. I think that's a... I tend to trust scientists that have worked their whole life on something. Just like if I'm talking about smelting or the metal industry, I expect my weight to carry more opinion than most people's. Because I still believe there's such thing as experts. And I think I'm increasingly qualified to be an expert on the metal industry. And there's a lot of climate scientists that have spent decades of their life researching climate change. So I tend to think most people are good and honorable and they're doing the very best job they can to take complicated science and reduce it down to concise conclusions that we then do something with. So that's kind of where I am. But there's another huge step. You got a problem, then you have to have a solution. In this country, the kind of problem we're talking about here moves out of the realm of scientists, moves in the realm of engineers, cost estimates, risk assessors, modelers that can say if you do such an action, you'll cost so much and you'll get so much back from it. Those are called economists. I don't think we've had that discussion. We come up with Biden's plan, Democratic plan. Won't be the conservative plan because they don't, they're not going to get any input from them. Kind of assumes it. But they're not even going to get dissenting opinions from within the party. Certainly nothing debated publicly. The public position is going to be very united and make it look like everything's cut and dried and obvious. Well, it is way the hell away from being obvious. 
there's nothing at all obvious about what to do with global warming. There are things we can do that everybody will agree on, like more solar, more wind power, better electrical grid, better, better energy storage. I started to say better battery storage, but that already, you know, presumes the answer in the, in the way you phrase the question. Or the way you phrase the problem. And I haven't gone deeply into the engineering side of, of climate change. But I've looked at it quite a bit because I've, I want to power metallurgical plants of the future. So I've looked at some of the challenges of that. Well, what we need is an anchor energy source. Some energy source that kind of holds a fort when everything else is up and down. Which typically renewable energy, uh, about the most steady one is hydropower, but even that's seasonal. But wind and solar, uh, solar's got a cycle every 24 hours. Uh, wind has maybe to a meteorologist some kind of cycle, but to me kind of a random cycle of when the wind blows and when it doesn't. Our grid sucks, so you can't deliver that power to where it's needed and most of where it's generated, like the panhandle of Texas. Um, it's really far away from where it's needed. And it's not at all obvious what's the best economic solution. And we don't really have a, a capital market that functions for that kind of thing because infrastructures are huge projects and they at least need government support even if they're private financed. There needs to be a master plan that private industry can play into. It's like going to a football game and somebody pulls out a soccer ball. There is no master plan. And that takes engineering studies, lots of bucks, just on trying to answer the big questions. My own opinion, without a whole lot of research, but some, is you need some kind of large, dependable energy supply for the next 50 years or so, the next, the rest of my lifetime. I don't really care much about past that, it's up to you guys. Right now our big energy supplies are nuclear power plants, coal, natural gas. That's it. Yeah, there's some big solar blah blah blah, but it's really the exception, not the rule. And it's, you know, it's going to take a while to where you can have a wind farm that's 
you know, takes up 100 square miles of the ocean and delivers power to New York City. That's not on the horizon. A lot's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen with global warming if you wait for those kind of solutions. What we need, in my humble opinion, is a thorium reactor or the kind of nuclear reactor that burns uh, waste, um, uranium uh, from nuclear reactors that uh, Bill Gates is advocating that Trump canceled. He was going to pilot it for $300 million in China. But Trump canceled his license to do that. But I don't think the Democrats are probably even more anti-nuclear. That's assuming the answer before you've done the work to make that position. And what they box themselves into is an option that probably doesn't work. And so you're going to worry about nuclear waste. Well, you should look up thorium reactors. The waste from a thorium reactor is 300 years. We can manage something for 300 years. It's not 10,000 years like the current reactors. It could make small distributed power plants that would anchor our grid. Now, if you don't pick that, what's it going to be by default? Probably natural gas, fracking slash natural gas. Because otherwise, there is nothing. There's a big, big hole in our ability to deliver energy. So, that's got to be factored in there. Okay, now back to my point. Inside of each party, we need to have serious discussions about policy, position, solutions. It's debated out in the open as we search for the best conclusions, best answers. Now, right now, Republican Party has a little more of a challenge than that because they've been side-railed by Trumpism and the lies that Trump told and the lies that people believed. The biggest being that Trump won the election. Which even when Republicans like in Georgia and is Homeland Security uh, Secretary stepped up and said what Trump was saying was bogus, they completely ignored. So they've got a hole, but I think they may actually be in better shape because Trump is a, it's like a disease. It just keeps progressing to some point becomes so serious that it kills the host. 
But if there's anything left alive after the disease has run its course and build up a, an immunity, it's much stronger than it was before. And I think the Republican Party has gone through a hell. Maybe it's a hell they deserve. They still have gone through a hell with Trump. But I think it, the lesson is so severe, there's no way that they can not learn from it. I think it's impossible to be in the Republican Party, even if you're still advocating for Trump and you're still playing his fiddle for him. You have to know that he lost the Senate and probably the pregnancy, the pregnancy, the presidency is like a pregnancy because of Trump. Not so much of everybody loving the Democratic plan and the big Democratic elite, elitism and snobbishness. It's just Trump became such a huge cancer on the Republican Party that people didn't want to die of it. And I literally think he could have killed this nation. And he may still. But they've gone through that. And you have to look at the way the elite and most Democrats speak about the uneducated white man that makes up the Trump diehards to not be able to see that they're not coming home to the Democratic Party. The white working class, maybe the working class period, is going to come home to the Republican Party. You can do all your fancy arguments about how stupid people are to believe the song they got. But they're not as stupid as you think. I think they knew that Trump was not the answer. They just hated the way they were being treated by the Democrats. So, my prediction is it'll take them at least two years, maybe four years, to purge Trump from their party. But they will come back and be much stronger than when they left. I don't see the same catalyst working for the Democrats. I think the Democrats are as snobbish as they've ever been. The sacred democratic opinion is not being internally debated on any subject. You're considered way out there if you disagree with an SDO.
I do a lot, but I don't have that many listeners, so I lose some listeners. That's okay. Sleep with a good conscience. And it's not that easy for me to figure out because politics is not my strong strength, strong thing. But I am a hell of a good problem solver. And I'm not seeing a forum where different ideas and solutions are debated. So I go on Facebook and I'm at most I talk mostly with a few liberal friends although a few conservative friends from now and then. Since I started doing podcasts most of those have disappeared because you have to actually listen and think about what I'm saying for you know 15 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. You have to listen to the arguments I'm constructing and form an opinion. Now, that takes some work. It's easier just to label someone. Yo, this is the ancient Texan, an earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on this small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred and our fellow inhabitants. Namaste.